This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 405. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by Captain, President, CEO, Jacob Paulson. Hi. <laughs> of all things awesome at ConcealedCarry.com. <laughs> I'm really like more like the Debbie Downer of the group, to be honest, right? Like I'm more like the captain of all things not awesome. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the one that has his... His, you're you're grounded. You're on the ground, you know, fighting the battle with the the numbers and and, and reality every day. And I'm the dreamer. Sure. <laughs> well, looking at you and I com- compared, that that is that is definitely more the case. Um. So, guys, welcome to today's show. This is, uh, well, it's the first Tuesday of the month, so that means today is a justified saves episode. I'm really looking forward to this one because uh, it's been a while. At least it feels like it has been for me since I've uh, done a Justified Saves episode. I might have missed last month, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe you and Matthew did that one. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm completely mistaken. It just feels like it's been a while. Uh, and so we have a ton of stories today to cover. We'll have to move along pretty quickly. But there's a lot of good ones. There's so many great lessons to be learned. That's why we do these stories. That's why we do this episode. So I'm really looking forward to it and excited for it. But today's episode is brought to you uh, by uh, ccwsafe.com. Man, I'm struggling to get the words out of my mouth. ccwsafe.com. Those are the guys. Uh, we're extremely proud to be partnered up with CCW Safe uh, with uh, everything they have to offer f- as a self-defense coverage program. Uh, and not too long ago, we had uh, Stan Campbell on for our Guardian Nation Live broadcast, and uh, it was a really awesome uh, opportunity to talk to one of the founders of CCW Safe and uh, to, to kind of learn a little more personally behind you know what's behind their company, what drives them. And I'll tell you, you, you know, you can you can find out for yourself. You can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance and read about insurance programs and compare CCW Safe with everybody else. But I think you'll come away with uh, the same you know thing that I came away with, which is uh, I really think that their coverage is awesome. Not that there's others that aren't good as well, but CCW Safe I think is is a remarkable program with with good people behind it. So. We encourage you to check them out, ccwsafe.com. That's where you can learn more. Also, uh, Mountain Man Medical, mountainmanmedical.com. Uh, we're proud to, to have that as part of the concealedcarry.com family here. And, uh, you know, trying to bring affordable, simple, but actually useful trauma kits to the market. So that, that was, that's the driver there is, is actually useful gear. That's affordably priced, uh, quality all across the board. So check out mountainmanmedical.com for your next trauma kit or trauma-related uh, materials. You can get refill kits and things like that too. We, we're actually seeing more and more orders of that where people are just ordering the refill kits. They just want the stuff that goes in a kit. So good stuff. Well, Jacob, let's get into our first story today. <clears throat> and this one as we sometimes do with these Justified Save episodes, starts actually out with a tragic story. This is one that, uh, you know, it, it could have been a Justified Save story and, and actually was, you know, 
pretty much it was. It just didn't go well for the individual uh, involved. And uh, this is a situation out of Humble, Texas, where a man uh, in the area of a, of a situation where there was police trying to apprehend a violent suspect. Uh, it was in the area of a, of a mall. And uh, police responded because this man had pulled out a gun and pointed it at a female companion. So it kind of sounds like it may have been a, a domestic violence uh, type event. And so the responding uh, police uh, encountered the suspect. He turned and began running away. A man by the name of Brian Marksbury was at the mall with his wife, and he saw everything going down. He decided to help police take the suspect down. So, and in fact, reportedly, he he said to his wife, "Somebody's got to get this guy. Somebody's got to get him." He chased after the suspect, but as he closed the distance on him, the suspect turned and fired. Marksbury took uh, bullets, and he later died at the hospital. A sad, tragic uh, ending to you know a, a noble man's life. Uh, he he really wanted to help, and is actually well-known apparently in his family that this is the kind of person that he was, someone that was always going to step up and try to help. But, uh, you know, it sounds like Marksbury was unarmed, trying to involve himself and trying to help against an armed man. And uh, that's, you know, as noble as it may have been, it may not have been the smartest tactical move. Well, sometimes it's it's not binary. You know, yes, no. Sometimes it's how, right? What was the approach? Uh, I'm on record as saying that you know def- coming to the defense of of strangers is optional, but coming home to my children is required. So, we I think we can't always look at these things binarily and say, well, he had the option to either not chase this bad person on foot, or to chase this bad person on foot. You know, a person could have met in the middle and said, okay, I'm going to chase this person on foot, but I'm going to do it in a way that maximizes my odds of you know, being in a, a, a strong position. So maybe I'm going to do it via car or maybe I'm going to run, but I'm going to you know, maintain distance to the degree that I can keep cover between myself and them so that if they do stop and turn and start shooting, that I'm not taking fire uh, directly, right? So uh, this is one of those tough ones because you, you, you're, you're sympathetic uh, with a good person who tried to do something. But yeah, when you're just giving chase, you know, running down a street after somebody and they're armed. They turn around, take a couple pot shots. I mean, you might get one of those. And in this case, he did. And it killed yeah. him. Yeah. That's right. You know, so was this a situation of a rash decision of someone that just, you know, reacted, just saw a situation and went, mm, I got to help. I got to go now. And, you know, maybe it could have been a little more tactful about how they did it. Uh, it's hard to say. We don't, and we we don't know all the details of this instance. But it, it's just a good reminder to, I think, put ourselves in check as concealed carriers. You know, my goal as a concealed carrier is not necessarily to be a hero. My number one goal is to, you know, I carry a gun, and it, and I'm, I, I, I hope I'm trained, prepared to put it into use in a situation that is requ- where it's required. Uh, to defend myself or a loved one, and maybe depending on circumstances, depending on the situation, depending on whether I can uh, extricate myself or not from a situation, you know, it might be put to use to to help save other people as well. But those are going to be those, you know, th- that this is one of those kind of situations. And, and of course, the the good guy was not even using a gun. But this is one of those times where you've got to really. Uh, and you're, you're only going to have a brief moment or two to, to make this decision. But, 
I hope that you make the right ones. I hope that you do do the right things. It's worth <clears throat> talking about citizens arrest stuff. Um, you know, many people I hear online, you know, in, in a chat about this, would say something like, "Well, what about citizens arrest? He has the right, you know, legal blah blah stuff." Well, first and foremost, remember, just because something's legal, that doesn't make us smart. And just because something's illegal, that doesn't make us stupid necessarily either. Um, but this, if we are looking at the laws, they're generally, most states have citizens arrest authority. Uh, however, there, there tend to be kind of two little small variations by state and one thing that's extremely consistent. Um, the things that might be you know, variable by state is whether or not you have to witness the crime uh, or if you just have to have you know, relative knowledge that it took place and if whether or not you only have citizen's arrest ability if it was a felony that was committed versus any sort of crime. But the thing that seems to be pretty consistent across all states for, when it comes to citizen's arrest, I'm not aware of any variations. Uh, you know, feel free to call me out if, if you know of one that this is not the case. But I don't know of any states that give the citizen the right to arrest somebody with the use or threat of deadly force with a gun. So, you know, in this case, yes, this guy was not armed to the best of our knowledge. He's just chasing after him. I assume he's, his plan is to tackle the guy or something. But uh, if you're thinking, well, if he'd had his gun, you should note that chasing after somebody to help the police out with your gun in hand is likely illegal. So something to think about. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting one. Yeah. We're going to have another story too that comes up here. Uh, I don't remember exactly where it is. And actually, it might be the next one here. Speaking of which, uh, we've got a story out of California, Fresno, California, which is more central California, which is where we see more uh, more of the concealed carriers in California, uh, no, you know, north central California, where California doesn't have a statewide shall issue uh, requirement uh, per the, the law, but uh, it's up to the various counties and their sheriffs uh, as to the policy that's uh, that's followed. Uh, so we do see more and more concealed carriers uh, issued permits in the north and central parts of California. Uh, but in Fresno here, one man has been hospitalized after he fired a shotgun at officers in a neighborhood. This story, it gets a lot more complex than that. So you got you got a man with a shotgun. Apparently, uh, police tried to stop him as he was speeding through the area in a vehicle. Uh, but he, instead of pulling over, he took off. Uh, and uh, of course, you had, then you have a, a, little, a little bit of a, of a car of a vehicle chase uh, that uh, ended up with that individuals, you know, the bad guy's vehicle wrecked. Uh, the driver and the and the passenger in the vehicle exited that vehicle, and then they then fled on foot in opposite directions. The driver grabbed a pump-action shotgun and turned and fired a few times at police officers who were still pursuing him. They returned fire, but it appears he was not hit, or, or he, at least he wasn't stopped. He then turned back around and continued running away. He continued to run, it says here in the story on concealedcarry.com, until he was confronted by a citizen who was unaware of what had just happened. Okay, All he knows is this is a crazy situation. So you got a concealed carrier. He just sees a guy with a shotgun running at him. So he draws his gun and fires once at the suspect. The suspect drops to the ground, but then gets up and continues running. He then uh, entered an apartment complex where he was tackled from behind by yet another citizen who then held this man in place until police could uh, again arrive and take this man into custody. He had a single gunshot wound to his chest. Um, so then they're unclear as to whether that was the cops that shot him or the, or the good guy, the good, you know, the, the, the CCW or that shot him, but uh, crazy, crazy story. So again, we have a situation now, this was not the, the context is a little bit different because the, the civilian in this case was not, Necessarily trying yeah. to help police, like he doesn't know what's going on, 
right? Uh, maybe he heard the gunshots because I don't know how far you know this man ran before he bumps into the concealed carrier. But uh, uh, but all he knows is he sees man with shotgun running at him. And he just feels like he's got to act. Uh, so he does what he feels like he, he needs to do. Uh, and, and fortunately, shortly after uh, this situation was resolved with nobody else getting hurt, very, very, very fortunate. And, and wow, what a kind of a crazy story. I mean, just how quickly things can uh, turn you know, and go sideways, uh, both in terms of the cops. Cops think, hey, I'm just going to get this vehicle stopped. And, and then next thing you know, they're being shot at. Uh, and then, you know, it just keeps going and going and snowballing from there. Yeah, the the you know context free version of this is you're hanging out in your front yard and you see someone running in your general direction holding a shotgun. <laughs> what do you do? Right? Like that's yeah, that's the without any context, that's the perspective that you have in this scenario. And I don't you know, a lot of this would de- would depend maybe on how directly it appeared they're running at me. Right. Like if they just look like they're running down the street, kind of, you know, they might go in front of my house then that might be different in how I might react versus like, it looks like they're coming right at me and how much space I have to retreat or seek cover or fortify my position uh, versus if I'm relatively kind of bottled in and, you know, they're going to come through me one way or another. Like those are all things that might vary in this circumstance a little bit, but in my head, I guess what I see is like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sitting on the, in the front yard doing something, watching my kid ride their bike. Ooh, that really changes things. And man, like, is coming down the street with the shotgun in his hand. And crap, I got to take action. So yeah. that's uh, that's pretty nasty. Oh, it really is. You know, and again, this is another, I think, opportunity to just kind of look at uh, our involvement in situations, particularly where police may be involved. Um, now, in, in this situation... It may have been a little bit more clear. I mean, you had police that clearly, you know, had seen this vehicle, likely saw the driver as he was exiting the vehicle and firing shots at them. So they probably have somewhat of a sense of what their suspect looks like. My point being is that they then continue to pursue that suspect. And next thing you know, they come up on a scene where they see another person with a pistol uh, that's, you know, shooting or whatever. Uh, the point is this situation may have been maybe not so much of a problem in that way, but it's not. Uh, beyond the realm of possibilities, uh, you know that uh, a person, a civilian, responding and choosing to respond with deadly force with the, with their gun to a situation might could be mistaken as as you know as a potential threat, um, just depending on how that situation develops. Um, and we also have to recognize too that where one officer or a couple of officers, you know, the ones that first maybe respond to a scene may have a completely different picture of what's going on as opposed to other officers that arrive a little bit later and may not have that full picture and that full context. And so where one situation where you as a, as an armed citizen decide to involve yourself in the situation, and it might be more clear to those initial responding police officers that you're a good person trying to help a later responding officer may not have that full context and may not understand where you fit into, into the puzzle of, of things, so to speak. So just, well, you know, additional food for thought is, is we kind of talk about these citizens involving themselves in, in situations, uh, particularly where police may also be involved or may soon be involved. Um, it's just, it's just a good reminder of be, being careful and making as smart of a uh, judgment call as we can. Here's one interesting thought for you on this one, Riley. I'll let you respond to my question. Mm. Let's say you're you're this citizen and some dude's running towards you with a shotgun and you you fire. Okay. Let's just assume that's happened. Okay. Fact it happened. You fired. He fell to the ground. 
and is starting to get up. What do you do now? Do you let him run off? Like I'm trying to understand right. that that mentality because if I thought my life was threatened enough to fire in the first place, and this guy goes down with the shotgun, when he stands up with the shotgun, I think I'm still pretty threatened. So that's the other thing that is a little bit unclear to me. And maybe it's because I fired once and then I, I retreated and went and found cover or something. But I, I guess if I felt bottlenecked enough that I felt I had to fire the first time, I'm not letting this threat get up with a shotgun for if sure. I'm still in danger. Yeah. yeah. And it was a little unclear if this guy, like, he fell and he dropped the shotgun as part of that. And then he got up and ran without the shotgun. Like, that might change that things a little be. bit for me, you know? Yeah, that like, could be. Because I... You know, I think the right answer, even though there's probably some people out there that would disagree, uh, I think the right answer is if this guy drops his gun and then just takes off without the gun, that you probably ought to stop engaging him with gunfire. Um, So that that would be a, a determining factor potentially. Yeah, but I I agree with you. You know, fire one shot and then you're like. Now what? You know, like be be ready to continue engaging. Uh, I don't know if this is a training thing. I don't know if this is uh, this person was just surprised, was maybe even surprised or 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 shocked a little bit by uh, by their actions themselves of drawing and actually firing that gun at a person, and kind of having you know taking pause and being like, "Wow, like did I just do that?" I, who knows? But uh, you know, we have to be ready to to stay engaged in the fight because, I mean, again, this this could have been a situation where this good Samaritan got injured as well or killed just like the last one that we were dealing with. So crazy times Yep, yep. out of tech, Texas or Fresno, California, Texas first and then Fresno. Uh, all right, Jacob, maybe give us a rundown on this story out of Chicago concealed carry holder wounded by gunfire shoots 16 year old gunman in West side attempted robbery. All right. It's just before 7am and you're walking around in the 600 block of North LeClaire in Austin, apparently. And uh, you're, so you're walking along and a group of dudes, three to five of them, that's not very specific, but that's what it says. Three to five people come up to you and demand your money and belongings. Okay. So you're, I don't know if you, maybe you're walking to work or maybe you're just out walking the dog or maybe you just like taking a jaunt at 7 a.m. But you're out for a walk and these, these people approach you and say, hey, give us your money and your stuff, you know, your watch or your ring or I don't know what belongings they ask for. <laughs> and uh, in the in those moments, you're trying to decide what to do. In, right around, you know, as, as you're as you're kind of you know having some sort of back and forth, or maybe right immediately as you're trying to decide what to do, one of these suspects, who happens to be a 16 year old boy, pulls out a gun. Okay, and in that moment, what do you do? Well, let me tell you what happened in this story. Our 29 year old concealed carrier, he in the moment he sees the 16 year old boy pulling out his gun, our concealed carrier draws his gun and immediately exchanges gunfire with the group. So what happens then? What's the outcome? Well, our concealed carrier, the 29-year-old who was out for his stroll at 7 a.m., he gets shot in the leg. Okay, He's in stable condition. The 16-year-old was struck twice in the abdomen and taken to the same hospital and is in fair condition. And that's really all we know about this. So this is a pretty interesting one. Like trying to imagine myself in that situation where three to five suspects come up and they're like, give me your stuff. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? And then one of them starts to draw a gun. That's that's a pretty defining moment. Absolutely. That yeah, that's a lot. I mean, number one, uh, three to five suspects. What it's like? Was it three or was it five or was it four? You know, I, I just that's interesting because I think there's quite a difference uh, perception wise even uh, between three and five. You know, three is like well, there's there's a a gaggle of gooks. <laughs> 
<laughs> of bad guys. Uh, five is, you know, there, there, there's a gang that's about to, you know, gang up on me. But, uh, uh, yeah, defining moment for sure. Gun comes out, man sees an opportunity or whatever, or just feels like he needs, like, now's the time. Like, I have to do something or this is going to end very badly for me. Um, remarkably to me, this is in the last line of this story from uh, the Chicago Sun-Times, says that, the you know, this boy was struck twice in the abdomen. So, you know, uh, kudos on on this uh, concealed carrier, on the CCWR, for uh, making at least two of his hits count. We don't know exactly how many uh, shots he fired, but, uh, but, you know, he obviously made some of those rounds count. Now, abdomen shots, not nearly as effective as, you know, high center chest uh, if we're looking for, you know, trying to put a stop to the threat pretty quickly but you know regardless it it seems likely that uh once shots started firing that people started scattering and uh the situation was ended uh but again there's two other remarkable things here number one the the ccwer was shot in the leg all right so you know we've, we've talked about this many times in the podcast uh just because i mean like we 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 gotta make sure that we are prepared in our own mindset that if and when I decide I'm going to take action, I'm going to fight. I'm going to I'm gonna go all out and fight until I can't fight any longer, regardless of what happens, even if I'm struck or injured myself. But we also got to be, we got we to gotta accept the reality that there's a high probability that by choosing this course of action, I am going to get hurt. And that, that injury could be pretty severe. So, you know, are you willing to deal with that aftermath? Are you carrying something as simple as a tourniquet on you? This guy was shot in the leg. That's a perfect, you know, that's a that's a very likely place that we could be shot, injured, have a serious uh, bleeding uh, uh, issue from, say, an artery, and need a tourniquet. So do you have one? Do you carry one on your person? I hope you do. Number two, the other remarkable thing to, to, to uh, I think of note here is that this boy was released from custody from the hospital after the man who shot him refused to seek charges. Wow. Like, okay, first of all, I think that's a really kind of Christian sort of thing to do. But I also got to ask, you know, and we don't know, we don't know all the circumstances here, but is that, is that the best thing for that boy? You know, like maybe this man didn't want to ruin this kid's life. I uh, <laughs> felt like he had already, you know, paid the price by being shot, but I'm not sure that's, you know, I don't, boy, I don't know. I think I'm, I'd want to see missing this. something. Like I'm trying to understand how law enforcement decides that if the, if the silk carrier doesn't press charges that they don't have to arrest him like is there was there nothing criminal here is this a I, civil matter and I'm, I'm trying, with you there too yeah like what absolutely what, what does that have to do with anything <laughs> like who cares whether or not the the 29 year old man who's been shot in the leg uh, decides to press charges like this is yeah I, I'm I guess maybe I don't understand our system you know maybe I should <laughs> you know go go get a badge or something but I I used to think that we had just arrested people who we had probable cause to believe they committed crimes regardless if the victims decide to press charges. Yeah. It's one thing where, uh, if, yeah, if there's a situation, some kind of altercation where there's not really much in the way of physical evidence, right. You know, and it's more of a, we need this person's witness statement to be able to pursue this case and have a good probability of success with, with convicting. Uh, but this is one where shots were fired and injuries uh, were realized. So I I am absolutely evidence for sure. Absolutely with you on that as well. Yeah, it's still remarkable to me. And I'm again, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, I'm not sure this is 
a 16 year old boy that's that's willing to go to the extent number one he's running around with probably a bunch of older boys robbing people carrying a gun apparently willing to use it uh wow you know that's you know this is not just just a a 16 year old kid that's you know just got mixed up in things like he's the one that's packing the gun Mm -hmm. that's loaded so it's ready so i don't know quite a interesting story there out of chicago by the way speaking of chicago we see more and more stories out of Chicago. Like we have one a little bit later here as well that just, you know, I, I, I've been following this stuff for a few years now and it, it, it just amazes me how many more stories of success with CCWers out of Chicago that defend themselves from all kinds of violent things. Uh, and a few years ago, that you didn't you didn't read that that often you didn't come across these t- type of events that often what, what that tells me is you likely had far more instances where people were uh, robbed beaten raped or killed uh, you know where they otherwise might have been able to, been able to defend themselves legally um, if you know concealed carry had been a, an option sooner in Chicago so. Just remarkable how many, you know, it seems like every Justified Save episode now we have at least one and not, it's not unusual to have two stories out of Chicago alone. Yeah, if you're a criminal, now would be a good time to leave uh, Illinois. I mean, I I definitely would, would move to somewhere else. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking personally, like if I was a criminal, New Jersey would be fantastic, <laughs> right? Right. Um, throwing that out there. <laughs> now this next story is kind of an interesting one. Dating app gets man shot. <laughs> So, oh boy. Uh, so you have this headline. Yeah. yeah, this man in Atlanta, Georgia uh, uh, meets a, a woman on a dating app, makes arrangements for her to come to his home. Uh, she comes, she doesn't show up by herself. She shows up with a female friend. I don't know if this guy at that point is like, oh, hey, wow, okay. <laughs> but after these two women come in, a man armed with a rifle sneaks inside the home. That man is startled by the homeowner's dog. And that's when the homeowner realizes something's up. He grabs his gun and the two start shooting. It says after a brief exchange of gunfire, the suspects fled the scene, uh, but not before wounding the homeowner in the leg. So here's another instance. We just had just the last story where the same sort of thing occurred, where the good guy was wounded in the leg, fortunately just in the leg. But, uh, you know, again, where's your trauma kit? Where's your tourniquet? Where, you know, this is a situation where gunfire is exchanged. The bad guys take off and now you're the only one left in the home. Where's your communication device, right? You need to be calling for help. You need to be potentially self-administering medical uh, aid to yourself. Uh, so you, you see where I'm going with this. This is why we need a good solid plan. The plan is not just, Hey, I carry a gun, right? And how many of you actually carry that gun all day long, everywhere you go, you know, in everything that you do, a relatively low percentage of CCWers actually truly carry every day EDC, right? So, uh, you know, I'd like to think more and more of you are, 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 you know, taking this journey with me and really taking EDC uh, seriously. But uh, so again, the plan is not just carrying a gun, but what else? Communications. We got to be able to call for help. We got to be able to get that help on its way. We might need to take care of medical aid to us or to uh, want someone that we care about. So I'm not concerned so much about rendering aid to a bad guy that I just had to shoot, right? Who may have just then shot me as well. 
right? I'm, I'm concerned about myself or my, my loved ones. So anyway, uh, and in, in this is such an interesting uh, circumstance, uh, how this one even came to be. Uh, so there's obviously, you know, increased risk. I mean, there's increased risk anytime we're, we're meeting with people, we have no idea who they are. Uh, whether it's Craigslist, whether it's Facebook uh, Marketplace or whatever, whether it's these dating apps. So got to have a solid game plan. I don't think I have much to add. Uh, I was going to say that, that, you know, you may say, oh, I don't use dating apps or I'm married or whatever, but you know, this could have been a plumber who was supposed to come over and, Absolutely. Just, and, and he unlocks a window so that later his accomplice can come through that window. You know, it, it's any expected or unexpected stranger, um, should increase your risk, does increase your, your risk level, right? And so you need to mitigate that by being extra cautious and, and proactive. Yeah, you know, I'm reminded of our Complete Home Defense uh, video training course where there's a whole section in there about handling strangers uh, that, that may come to your door, which which sometimes has to happen. You're exactly right. You know, you, you, you call the uh, plumber or the HVAC repair guy, you know, you got a furnace that's gone out or whatever. Uh, and, uh, you know, Odds are most of the time those 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 guys are not you know there to do you harm right. Uh, you probably are calling a vetted business or whatever it is. But but there's a whole section in that video course about that. Uh, but this also reminds me, you know, how did this other guy get into this dude's home, right? Uh, kind of the way it's written, it makes it sound like he didn't just come through the same door that these women came through. So so again, you know, full full game plan here. You know, what's what's the security of my home, the envelope of that home? Uh, just there's so many things uh, to consider and, and remind ourselves about based on just this one story, even if the specific circumstances wouldn't apply to most of us. Yeah, the main takeaway is get a dog, apparently. <laughs> All right, uh, Jacob, back to Chicago. Tell us about gunman robs two stores, carjacks driver, then gets shot at by concealed carry holder all within 15 minutes. Yeah, there's no way to summarize this. Uh, <laughs> this is a bit of a beast. So let me let me do my best, okay? Okay, what you have is an armed man. Uh, he carjacks a motorist, robs two businesses, and as you said, was shot by concealed carrier all within 15 minutes. So it's 9 p.m., <clears throat> okay? And the BG uh, tries to rob a little Caesars, displays his gun. He leaves empty-handed. So I don't know if they were all out of pizzas or all out of cash or... <laughs> Or something, but he leaves empty handed. He goes across the street from the Little Caesars and tries uh, and robs a man. Uh, I don't know if it's a man or it's a store. It says, I guess it's a store, Tacaria Hernandez. They probably sell great uh, tacos or something. Anyway, so he goes and robs that store. At, that's at 9 p.m. At 9.04 p.m., he uh, carjacks a driver and uh, he, he leaves in that, that person's silver 2008 Saturn sedan. So takeaway. Don't buy, don't buy Saturns. You know, car doctors mm-hmm. target those apparently. And then uh, at 9.15 p.m., he walks up to concealed carry holder, pulls out a gun, says, give me all you got. Okay, now that concealed carry holder pulls out his own gun and opens fire on the offender, squeezing off at least five rounds. Um, now, at this point, no one has sought medical attention for gun wounds at nearby hospitals, so it would appear that our concealed carrier who fired the five rounds did not make any connections or that they weren't serious enough to, to drive the criminal to go to the hospital. And he's still at large. Uh, you know, they got a bit of a description here, you know, that's been gained by all the people that have been robbed and whatever, but this all took place in a pretty, you know, isolated look like, like two blocks, three block radius. Like it's all pretty <laughs> tight. Uh, on, like there's a little map here of, of where all the incidents took place and it's all pretty close by. Yeah. So, um, pretty wild. 
Oh, it's extremely wild. There, there's several details here that I, <laughs> I've got to address. First of all, I, I'm I'm reading the story along as you're going through everything, and I'm like, what what is the relevance? Because it, it, it tells us that the man carjacked uh, a vehicle, right, mm-hmm. and gets away with that vehicle, and then it says that that vehicle has a license plate, and and they give us the license plate number. I'm like, what relevance does that have in the reporting of this story? Uh, when this is already done and over with, like it, it, I don't, I'm guessing they're not still searching for this vehicle. They don't say that, right? Like this man was chased off by the concealed carrier or whatever. But then I realized what's the license plate number BK nine (laughs) one one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like the irony of that one detail alone. And they don't point out anything else above and beyond just mentioning that it, you know, that it, it ends with or it includes. How do they word it? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> B- begins with BK911. Burger King 911. <laughs> uh, here's another thing, too, that uh, jumped out to me. Uh, says that, uh, you know, the, the suspect, the man that apparently was committing most, uh, that was the primary offender, uh, wore a black hoodie and a mask over the lower half of his face says in another part of the article that uh, the robber the the robbery victim says that the robber was accompanied by a black male who wore, wore a camouflage ma- camouflage mask uh so it appears we actually have two suspects here both uh trying to you know obscure their identity wearing masks and stuff and this brings up a actually really valid point we're, we're at this place right now in our society with COVID-19 and everything and, and, and the, the federal government and many state governments encouraging um, the people, us, to, when we go out in public, when we do have to go to the grocery store or, or whatever, that we should wear a mask. So what does this, what kind of problem does this potentially present for us uh, from a defensive context where everybody's wearing a mask? I mean, what, what, what do you think? I mean, I, I kind of look at it as like, if I see a masked person out in public, right, just for no apparent reason, and you know, and it's, a, it's apparent based on their body language too, that they're trying to, they're trying to conceal themselves. They're trying to conceal their identity. They're trying to maintain a low profile as they're looking for that opportunity to strike or whatever it is. That's suspicious to me. But now we have a situation where more and more people are, are actually – because and, and you see a lot of what might look like bad guy masks because people are trying to improvise face masks as they're going out in public. What do you think, Jacob? Uh, I think that you have to look for other signs and signals, right? Uh, in this case, person's also wearing hoodie uh, and you know walk, running really quickly and looking behind their shoulder and has a gun in hand. Right, so I think we got to look above and beyond just the mask. But but I think yeah, it's it's certainly relevant to say that circumstances can change, and what previously would have stood out as suspicious in and of itself, and now in and of itself is no longer suspicious at all. Only when combined with other circumstances. Um, yeah, but it, I, I don't know. I, I guess I keep putting myself in this person's situation, our concealed carrier, right? Because that's how I'm inclined to approach these kind of stories and the analysis, and say two people are running. You know, come come up to me. One of them's got a gun. They ask for all I got. They're pointing the gun at me, and I'm at a loss to why our concealed carrier drew their gun and fired. Now, in this case, it, it seems to have worked out relatively okay. Like you know, the, the concealed carrier doesn't appear to have been shot or injured or anything. But uh, you know, we we have the good old saying, right? You don't draw on a drawn gun, or you know, can you can you beat them to it? And we had another one, right? The the story, the last story we reviewed, or was it the story before that? 
where uh, basically the the robber, 16-year-old robber, went to draw the gun and the concealed carrier drew the, his gun at the same time. You know, so having a sense for how quickly can I get that gun out, what, what's my window, you know, mm-hmm. how much of a distraction do I need to have my opening, and can I get it done quickly enough? But more importantly, I think that this is also an acknowledgement that there's this tendency when we draw that gun and we're hearts pumping and the adrenaline's doing its thing, you know, to fire five shots at what must have been a pretty close distance and not have a single connect so far as we're aware, that's concerning for sure. Absolutely it is. Uh, that's five rounds unaccounted for. Yeah. You know, uh, so we got two two attackers, one with a gun, close enough to demand my valuables. And and I draw and fire five and don't get one to connect. Yeah, yeah. You know what I what I see sometimes as I've reviewed uh, various uh, you know video footage of situations, similar situations. I'm talking about and a lot of times it's going to be officer involved, but uh, because of the nature of of so much of their interactions being uh, recorded on video these days. But the thing that I commonly see when uh, guys miss shots. Uh, I think is that they start taking shots before they're really ready to take shots, meaning that the gun is not quite yet even sometimes up on a level plane uh, that the trigger starts getting pressed uh, and the gun is still, you know, basically pointed at the ground or, or quite low on the target. Um, you know, not getting the, the gun up into the sight plane, you know, in, into our, our sight box as Jeff Gonzalez uh, calls it, where we need to be up there where we're, we're actually utilizing, um, in some fashion that the aiming of we're not, we're aiming the gun, right? Uh, so it, it's usually an indication of someone that's not training or not practicing, uh, to a level that is required to, uh, achieve that kind of sub subconscious competence of use of that gun. Uh, because you know, that's, that's basically what it requires. You know, you're going to be so focused on so many other things going on that if you don't subconsciously get the gun up and to where you're able to actually use it effectively and aim it, uh, yeah, you, that's a problem. You need to be able to do it sub- subconsciously um, from the actual use of that that gun, right? So uh, crazy story, and I, and I'm with you there. That those five shots, uh, boy, we got we we got to expect uh, better. I think of ourselves. Right. So I know some listening or, or reading this story might look at it and go, ah, you know, it's concealed carrier, no harm, no foul, nobody else got hurt. You know, he still solved the problem, meaning that he scared off the bad guys, like, ah, no big deal. Right. But, you know, and I, and I recognize that we're not all professionals. In fact, few of us are, if, 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 you know, very many of us at all. Um, so how high of that is that standard or how high should that standard be? Well, I, I think we should always be striving for a higher standard, no matter who we are. Well, along those same lines of training, another thought that I had is five rounds is a lot of rounds. Uh, you know, it would appear that our BGs did not return fire. You know, that the, we know of, right. Right. Our, our best estimate here is that they probably turn tail and run. And so having the control when you draw that gun and you fire to know that I don't need to keep firing anymore. <laughs> My shots aren't impacting. They're running away. Five shots, a lot of shots. I mean, that's like, that's quite a bit of rapid fire, right? Pop, 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 pop. So I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, in, you know, that's the other thing that's in my head and, you know, no judging, not knowing the circumstances or anything, but do you also have the wherewithal to be able to control yourself to the degree of I'm going to fire so far as I think it's necessary and it's effective 
and uh, otherwise i'm going to maintain you know my my ammo capacity because i might need it and i'm not going to send off shots that i can't i can't account for and i don't know where they're going this is kind of funny a comment from matt on facebook the maybe the attacker was abiding by the six foot rule that's from right. the cdc that's right yeah, so, so, so it wasn't distance. as close as we maybe what we would think normally that's right uh, that's right and then matt follows up with a with a comment i've been training to i've been training been to training where you learn to uh, hip fire, sending rounds down as you're coming up to your sight box. With training, you can be accurate. So, um, I would say that I am not aware of. I'm, I'm I'm unaware of really any specific examples where I've seen this actually used effectively in a in a gunfight. Uh, I'm not saying it can't be done, but. I think that few people practice even enough for that to be effective, right? If they can't even practice well enough to, can I just get the gun up here and aim and shoot properly? Well, chances are they're not practicing enough to, to, to do that. And and secondly, I would say that I would only even say that's acceptable uh, if you're in really close context, like six feet would be acceptable. But beyond that, uh, I think it starts getting really dicey. So I, I think it speaks a lot to a person's draw stroke. If you think of hip fire as part of your draw stroke, then you might need to rethink your draw stroke. Um, because what, where I think this might make sense is if a person in there, if you, if in your mind, if your vision and Riley, we taught a class not too long ago where we had a student, we just could not get him to change it doing this. But you know, you, you, if you draw from the holster and you see, you know, your, your draw stroke is getting the gun from the hip where I have it in my hand to full extension out in front of me. And, you know, I just going to draw a straight line from point A to point B and I'm going to push straight out. Then, then that hip carry, that hip shot, right where I kind of just clear the holster and I pop and I maybe fire a few as I'm extending to that that extension. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's, it's bad. I'm saying that that in that context, maybe it makes sense. I don't know that it does all the time. And you talked about distance and training to be able to do it and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think that that's not a really awesome draw stroke. And we got tons of episodes about draw, so you can go listen to those. I'm not going to get into a long story, but, but. Generally, we advocate for a draw stroke where the gun comes into the center mass and then pushes straight out in a straight kind of, I'll call it horizontal level line to, sort of. to I mean, it's, ish. It's got to climb a little bit, obviously, but, bit. But, but yeah. But that, so then instead of firing from the hip, I'm really firing from kind of this high compressed ready position in my chest. And that's, that's the equivalent of the hip shot in that other different type of draw stroke. But it's a little bit more controlled now because I already have it oriented. The exact same orientation is going to be when I get to extension. Uh, and it's in front of me. It's in, it's my, it's in my center. So uh, all the context relative to training and accuracy and distance that has already been given is still relevant. But I think it's also an issue of understanding one's draw stroke. I think it depends on so many things. And then there's there's a lot of different ways of, of skinning this cat. But I think civilian defenders need to be familiar and somewhat co- and, and need to be competent with basically two different methods of shooting. One is from a retention position that is really only intended for when you are basically face to face with this individual. You know, we're talking arm's length distance away. Maybe it maybe a bit more, right? Again, we're thinking this this could apply in in these kind of robbery type scenarios, right? So firing from a retention position which could be a one or two-handed retention. It's it, it doesn't really matter to me. But being competent with with that, and then being competent with having the gun up, uh, with your your eyes aiming down the gun. Okay, so up up in in line with your eyes. If you can't do those two things competently, then you need to get to work, right? But we should 
we sh- should never be quote unquote point shooting. I feel as civilian defenders, um, those guys that advocate for it, uh, that they have various reasons for it. But, uh, I, I just don't see any great applicability to civilian contexts. And, and partly because can you learn to point shoot very effectively? Yes, but you need thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds to get very proficient with that. I struggled getting civilian defenders even shooting enough to get proficient with shooting while aiming the gun. So I would ever advocate point shooting is just befuddles me. Anyway, all right, good good stuff there though. That's good discussion. Let's see here. Turning our attention now to Charlotte, North Carolina. I'll go through this uh, kind of quickly. Uh, we have two teens that are in custody after a series of crimes. Uh, basically, uh, officers reported to residents where shots were fired. It's about four thirty in the morning. Uh, they arrived there. They found uh, basically. Can I have this so, one, Riley? Oh, go for it. Yeah. Okay. This one's fun. So we got basically we got three different three different crime scenes. So I'm just going to go through yep. these in order and ask you to envision yourself as the good guy in each of these. Okay. All so right. crime scene number one, uh, you're the homeowner and you see a couple of dudes trying to break into your wife's car. And so you challenge them. That's what the word it says. Is he challenged the male suspects trying to break into his wife's car. So while the homeowner is challenging the people trying to break into his wife's car, whatever that means, um, they they flash a gun like, hey, we got a gun, but then they drive off in a car. Uh, so the homeowner climbs into his wife's car. I don't know why. Maybe he's like checking to see if anything's missing or just, you know, loves loves that that car, you know, that beautiful, wonderful car. So he's sitting in the car and the criminals come back by and basically do a drive-by. They shoot at him while he's sitting in the car. The car is struck by gunfire, but the homeowner himself is not. Okay, so that's crime scene number one. Crime scene number two, same same suspects 15 minutes later. Uh, this time, what they do is the, the suspects pull up, and they're driving around a stolen Camry, by the way, that was stolen back in January. They pull up behind a car that is parked uh, on the street, and they see someone is sitting in this car. So they pull up behind the car and park. They put on uh, masks, uh, and at least one of them approaches the person sitting in the vehicle and uh, attempts to rob this person who's sitting in in the vehicle. Uh, This person, however, is armed, draws his own gun, and shoots the suspect uh, who who confronted them and and tried to rob him. And that suspect immediately turns and flees uh, in the getaway car. Okay, that's crime scene number two. Crime scene number three, okay, it's about six six minutes later. Um, The... Oh, I, I should clarify that at some point after crime scene number two, our two criminals or two suspects, they split up. Uh, one of them uh, is later caught by cops because he just crashes the Camry and they, they catch him. Uh, but the second one is not, not in the car. They don't know where he is, right? So, so we move on to now crime scene number three. Uh, what happens here is the, the second suspect had attempted a carjacking of a woman who had just returned home from the gym and was still in the driveway of her home. Uh, he draws a gun and demands her keys, which she turned over. Uh, however, her husband sprints out of the front door of the home and tackles the suspect, and a fight ensues where, uh, wherein nearby neighbors run from their own homes to help. And so they're, you know, they're, they're, they're making sure that this dude doesn't get away, and by the time cops show up, he's being held by gunpoint by these neighbors, presumably. So now both suspects are in are in custody. 
Mm-hmm. That's yeah. What is it with all the wild, crazy stories today, man? That's a, that's a pretty fun one. <laughs> well, yeah. On the heels of this other, where the suspect ran around from place to place to place, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, but I, but but these 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 types of sprees are not that untypical, honestly. And I suspect there's a lot of times where there's crimes that occur that uh, it's a little unclear as to whether it was an isolated event or part of a spree because there's things happening in so many different locations and cops are getting various reports and maybe some of that lines up, maybe some of it doesn't, you know, and and it's just, yeah. Uh, We just had a situation, by the way, this reminds me, uh, all of this uh, talk of this kind of stuff reminds me of uh, just the other day, this last weekend, I think it was Saturday night, a couple of uh, juveniles uh, escaped from a detention center Basically, in, in my town here on the southwest, you know, uh, uh, you know, part of Denver, and uh, so these two juvenile delinquents escaped from their de- from their juvenile detention center. Uh, they're like seventeen years old, I think, both of them, and uh, they they go. I, I actually saw the news story. I'm like, oh, cops looking for two escaped juveniles. Okay, all right, you know, whatever. Uh, then I see a news story a little bit later talking about a woman not too far from me at a 7-Eleven that I have frequented once or twice over the years. This woman was carjacked at knife point at this 7-Eleven. Two suspects. Then it comes out a few hours later that a police chase ensued when police recognized the vehicle that was reported as being stolen. And uh, the vehicles crashed and they chased down these two suspects and find out these two escaped juvenile delinquents. Right. So, you know, from one crime to another crime to another crime, just, you know, bouncing around, just doing crazy stuff. The other crazy thing about that particular incident that happened here locally was that it happened at 630 in the morning. And I actually meant to bring this up a little bit earlier when we had that story where that man was out for a walk at 7 a.m. and was robbed. You know, it, it is not it, it is not unusual all right, it happens more frequently than we think. You know, so often we think that the, that all of the bad stuff happens late at night or in the early morning hours, but that's not always the case. So you know, just because it's seven a.m. doesn't mean the bad guys have gone to sleep, right? So we we got to be switched on all the time. Anyway, yeah. So I, I I'll I'll jump into some quick thoughts. You know, crime scene number one is the broken record thing. Like, why are we challenging people trying to break in a car? Why are we then sitting in that car where they drive by and try and shoot at us? I don't know. That whole crime scene number one just makes it's it's the broken record thing. Like, to call the cops, take notes, snap some pictures, and do not confront or challenge the people breaking into your car. And please stop leaving cars out in your street and driveway that have valuables in them and or are unlocked. Uh, that seems to to be pretty like, come on. Uh, yeah. Crime scene number two, Riley. So this one's our first uh, armed response. Guy's just sitting in his car. Maybe it's warming up or maybe he's reading emails. I don't know. And, uh, you know, criminal comes up to the window, tries to rob you, draw and return fire. What What are your thoughts on that one? Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm reminded of, I mean, I think it even mentions at the bottom of this article about uh, the whole module in Vehicle Farm Tactics uh, video course we did where we basically play out this very scenario, right? I mean, uh, I think it was where I shot through the windshield or through the side window of the vehicle, you know, kind of simulating the idea that somebody's approaching you, trying to carjack you or rob you or whatever as you're in your vehicle. And for whatever reason, because maybe you're sandwiched in between vehicles, you're parallel parked, you can't make a quick escape, your vehicle's not turned on, you know, all kinds of things, right? 
So, you know, we, we, we talk in that course about it, the importance of, you know, we first we should always consider evading the situation, right? So can I evade, you know, my, my vehicle is a lot more powerful and a lot more capable than what this dude that's on his feet is. So I can probably get away if I'm in a situation that permits it a lot faster than he can probably do a whole lot to hurt me. If that's not an option, then I should, you know, consider maybe using the, the vehicle as a weapon if necessary, where instead of me using the gun, it's like, can I quickly, you know, maneuver the vehicle and take the threat out that way as opposed to going to the gun? Because I'll tell you, using a, ve- a gun within a vehicle sucks. No it, fun. It's not fun. It's loud. There's going to be glass fragments going everywhere. Uh, so you're going to come away with, with hearing damage, potentially damage to your eyes if you're not wearing any any sort of eye protection is all that you know is going on inside the vehicle. Uh, plus, it's awkward and difficult to shoot and get accurate shots from within the vehicle. You can't move. You don't have adequate cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you know, it's one of those things. It's like, well, this guy felt like that's what he needed to do. And, and we don't know all the circumstances, so we don't know whether he even considered some of these other options or if he had those available to him as options. But what we know is he decided to use deadly force with his gun. And, uh, uh, well, you know, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. So, yep. Yep. I won't add anything to that. And then crime scene number three, a woman's getting out of her car. She just got home from the gym props to her, by the way, because this is early in the morning and, uh, you know, someone approaches her, give me your keys. I'm taking your car. She's like, no, I don't want you to take my car. Husband comes running out the front door and just like, just up, oh, man. I wish I had it on video. Just boom, <laughs> just bear hug takes this dude out. <laughs> yeah. No, that's pretty wild. Crazy yeah. stuff, man. That's a, that's a crazy story. Let's, let's go down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, we, I know earlier, at least, we had Brian Eastridge uh, watching, uh, and he is the host of the Law Dog Shooting Sports podcast, which is part of our podcast network now. So uh, thank you, uh, Brian, for checking in. And Brian's a law enforcement officer uh, down in, well, not in Tulsa, but uh, in, in another part of Oklahoma. But this story is pretty interesting. So it basically sounds like you had a woman that got into some kind of altercation in the parking lot involving parking oh gosh you know how, how often do we have situations people end up fighting over stupid parking situations but it happens and you might do something that where you don't even realize you offend somebody right like you just you're, you're just driving along looking for a place to park you swoop into a parking space and then you find out that for whatever reason this other person was planning on using that space and now they've been offended no no fault on, on you necessarily but it could turn into an escalated matter very quickly uh, of course, we should always try to de-escalate these kinds of situations. There's nothing. There is nothing worth uh, a parking space, right? There, there just it doesn't make any sense at all to fight ever over a parking space. But uh, this woman was involved in, in an altercation over a parking space. She left, and about three minutes later, she came back with a gun and started firing at people standing outside the business. Wow, that escalated quickly. The citizen, so somebody in the in the vicinity with a concealed carry permit, saw her fire, drew, and he returned fire, killing the woman. He was taken down to uh, to be questioned and was then released. This was basically an active killing event. Yeah, this this absolutely meets the FBI qualifications. You know, of what they define as an active shooter event. Yep, and this guy, concealed carrier, ended it right then and there. Bravo, good sir. And this is something you, I didn't even know about this story until like a day ago, Jacob. And this happened I didn't know about it till today until I saw and this happened like a outline. week ago. Yeah. So, 
you know, we're so focused on coronavirus and COVID-19. Like this never even hit the media at all. This is a, this is a small, you know, local ABC affiliate in Tulsa with a, with a five paragraph reporting on this, this pretty significant event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If our armed citizen hadn't been there, it probably would have hit the news. Absolutely. Because people would have. And then we'd be talking about gun control. Yeah. In Tulsa. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, a uh, remarkable story. And I don't know who that guy is. Uh, if he's a, you know what? If he's ever listening to this, uh, you know, hit, hit us up, man. I'd love to talk to you. Podcast at concealedcarry.com. That's our email address. Love to talk to you because that's a cool story. Um, And he should be recognized for what he did, I think. He may not want to be, but he should be because it's, it. here's the thing. This is what, what's amazing to me, Jacob, is we have actual true heroes in our society that do similar things to, to this all the time. It happens more frequently than we think. And, uh, you know, some of these names we do know, Jack Wilson, Stephen Williford, right? And in those are situations that there was just, there was no way their name wasn't getting out. But here yeah. you have a much more isolated, probably, you know, smaller event. And, and nobody will ever know this dude or what he did. And he should be absolutely, whether he wants it or not, like, that's a positive hero type thing that I think should be known about because it, it you, you hear about and learn about more of that, those kind of incidents, then you might start impacting public opinion on the whole idea of good guys carrying guns. That's all yep. I got to say about that. Last story, Jacob, armed disabled woman defends home. Yeah, I remember this one. So basically what you have is uh, some teens that are armed with at least one handgun. They break a window and through that window, they reach through to unlock the door of a woman's home at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Now, uh, prior to COVID-19 times, you might be interested to know that about 80% of home invasions take place between 10 a.m. and and 3 p.m. because the criminal assumes that the home is empty. So the resident, which is a disabled woman, uh, she arms herself and fires one shot at the suspects as they're trying to enter the home. Uh, both of them turn and flee. They run. Uh, one of them, however, uh, collapses in the grass outside of one of the buildings in this apartment complex. And the other runs to a getaway car where another female accomplice uh, and, and uh, you know, is waiting and, and is the getaway driver and they, they drive off. Uh, the two suspects that flee do get eventually caught, arrested, and everyone's been charged. And those two have been, of course, charged with murder as well, since one of their cohorts died on the scene. Yeah. You know, I appreciate this story because here you have a disabled one. You know, the, the gun is the great equalizer. Uh, that That is a powerful thing. Because you here you have a, an individual that otherwise is likely unable to do anything for herself, uh, particularly against two younger, much more able bad guys, fighters, right? Uh, that they would, you know, she's able to equalize that whole event and take charge of her own destiny because she's able to have and be care- and be armed with a gun. Yeah, uh, good one, good one, good one. That is. Uh, such a such a powerful thing, you know. I I love hearing about about stories like that one. I'm also reminded of a story, and this is just this is 
and maybe this is arguably a, a topic for another episode, um, but I've been seeing this going around, making the rounds on social media and whatnot. Uh, but the, this story is kind of the opposite of this disabled woman defending herself in her home. UFC fighter Anthony Smith uh, recently had a home invasion occur in his home. And some of you probably have heard about this, but if you haven't, I encourage you to look it up and go watch the interview he did with uh, ESPN MMA. Uh, it's a really compelling video where he tells about this whole incident and how he, as a world-class UFC fighter, fighting physically against this home intruder, it was it was really, really, really hard for him to come out of this event, uh, him and his family, in one piece. So this is this is a, a skilled fighter, and you know when we talk about hand to hand, and and how hard that can be, and and how important it is for us to have some of those skills. Uh, recognize even when you have the best skill, some of the best skills in the world, that may not be enough, right? And so here you have a disabled woman with a gun, able to affect her own destiny because of that. It's a powerful thing. All right. Well, that's the end of today's Justified Safe Stories. I, I hope you all got something out of today's episode with this content. Uh, I hope that uh, you you know, are coming away thinking a little bit more deeply, a little bit more completely, a little bit more holistically about your personal preparedness, about your personal defense plans, about your strategies and your tactics, both personally, outside the home, inside the home. There's, there's much to... To, to know and consider and to be ultimately prepared. So uh, if you enjoy this episode, let us know, hit us up, message us uh, on Facebook or, or email us podcast at concealedcarry.com. We love hearing from our listeners. And also if you have any stories or topics you'd like us to cover, let us know too. podcast at concealedcarry.com. That's the best way, honestly, to reach us. It's just shoot us over an email and uh, you know, Jacob, myself, Matthew, we all personally see those and review those. So, Guys, thanks for being a part of this episode today. Again, today's episode was brought to you by CCW Safe, CCWSafe.com, and also MountainManMedical.com. Now, before we let you go, we need to announce a winner of this week's podcast giveaway. We remind you that each week you can sign up for ongoing giveaways that we've got going on at ConcealedCarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And this week's lucky winner, drum roll please, Jacob. <laughs> that was one of your better ones. Thank you. Rory, last name of R. Rory is the first name. R-O-R-Y, last name starts with R. Rory, you will be contacted and notified the, this week's winner is getting a concealed carry tactical pen from all of us here at concealedcarry.com. So... Congrats, Rory, on winning this week's prize. Uh, again, we'll reach out to you directly and uh, get this uh, get this to you. This next week's giveaway is for a $50 SSP Eyewear gift card. That goes a long ways towards SSP Eyewear products. So somebody will be a lucky winner of that gift card. Sign up again at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And so it brings us now to a conclusion of another episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Thanks for doing this one with me today, Jacob. You got it. 
And so with that, we're going to let you go. And a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.